Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The date was sometime in the year 2005, I believe. It's during the time that I first started my agency. I was, wasn't quite in year five yet. And we had just secured another big client. And I needed some help on the ground in Atlanta, Georgia. Two of my clients had offices there or strong presence. And I worked with someone named Betsy Helgager Hughes, who had her own agency, and she had freelancers. So there were times when we would exchange freelancers or staff and subcontract them to the other. And that's what she did. That's when I met Matt Stevens. Matt was a public relations freelancer, and he was available to help me on the church's chicken account. Matt is a very good person, and Matt is very good at public relations, but much like myself, public relations is not a passion per se, but a way to make money. So it only makes sense that by now, Matt is chasing his dreams, just like I'm chasing mine. Matt is now a political pundit, and during the last election and the one before that, had a couple of breakthrough moments on national cable news. Now Matt has launched a podcast and now he's turned it into a YouTube channel. He's known as Mr. Prune Juice Media and there's a reason for the name of his brand. He says sometimes we just need the truth. It's kind of like prune juice. We may not like to drink it, but you know what? Sometimes we need it. And you know, as we're in the midst of this pandemic, It's been a lot longer than we anticipated. The last time Matt and I spoke, I just called him up and you heard the conversation. I thought by now this whole thing would be under control, but it's not. And the election is staring us in the face. And it's almost guaranteed to be like no other election we've ever seen. Brace yourself. Here's my friend Matt. everybody. I'm so excited to have my dear friend Matt Stevens back on the line with me. You know, he's our resident politics pundit that we bring back ever so often when things get a little crazy and they haven't stopped been being crazy since the last time we talked, Matt. You mentioned. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and right now politics is woven into the pandemic. You can't separate it. It mm-hmm. just is the way it is. And uh, before we get going, though, I need to tell you, he has a YouTube channel that you need to follow. It's, and his show is called The Matt Minute in Politics. So you yes. need to go check that out because he has a very good point of view that you need to listen to. You may or yep. may not agree, but it will definitely get you talking, right? Yes. And it's Mr. Prune Juice on Twitter and on YouTube and on Instagram. Yes. In you follow me there. So this is a brand of his Prune Juice Media which you probably yeah. know him for. So, Matt. Yes. Like I said, you can't extract 
politics from the pandemic. And, and that's just unfortunate because <laughs> we're just talking about a sickness here that has taken over. And mm-hmm. it seems like the politics is fueling it now. Yeah, I think that in a lot of ways that the politics, people are using, well, some people are using the virus in order to play a different game of politics. Mm. It's unfortunate. It is the reality that we live in. But if we went on, say we went on lockdown, shutdown around March, April for some people, you could almost immediately see once that got started where kind of the dividing lines were, Mm -hmm. if you will. We're talking about masks. We're talking about PPE, how many people were dying, uh, what states were doing what thing in order to suppress the virus, what states were doing things in order to, or things that would have sped up the transmission of the virus. And then now that we've transitioned from spring to fall, people are starting to run on that, Mm -hmm. run their campaigns on that, talk about how they responded to the virus or how they will respond to future public emergency threats and how we're going to wrap up this whole COVID-19 thing sometime, maybe in 2021. (sighs) I'm so... It's, it's scary. And, you know, it you is. just met my daughter. She always likes to I come did. in and say hi to whoever's yes. on the screen, whether it's a Zoom meeting or a Skype call like mm-hmm. this one. Um, and she's doing homeschool in the next room. Mm-hmm. Our lives have changed so much. Yes. And it's just sad that it has been politicized. It has been politicized. And even so much, I saw something on TV the other night where uh, someone was saying that they're finding out that the government has been suppressing information about how children transmit the COVID-19, the coronavirus. And so that has direct impacts on parents like you yep. who are homeschooling, people who are uh, changing their shifts at their jobs and they're trying to accommodate this new way of living, or other people who are sending their children back to school not knowing that their children are in danger. In danger, easy transmitters of the virus and putting their teachers who are adults who are or may be in risk categories at at an even greater risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you say we have a culture soup moment really quickly? Okay. All right, cool. So we've been talking pandemic. You can't get away from it because it's changed all of our lives. But uh, we are also talking about the politics of it. And something's happening in November. A lot of us are dreading. <laughs> we know what we got to do. But, yeah. I mean, it could really change things. Make them worse or make them better. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could. Um, I encourage everybody within the sound of our voices to vote. Yes, yes, yes. November. Can you say that again? Please vote Please. in November. Please <laughs> vote. And not just... I always say this, and I've been saying this for years, ever since I've been, ever since I started talking about politics, is that it's not always what is or who is at the top of the ticket. Yes, in this case, in this instance, it is extremely important about that category of politician. But I want people to think down ballot because those are the people that are out in the communities. Those are the people that are local, that are dealing with these local budgets that have been impacted by COVID-19. That's going to determine how your clean your water is, how your roads are getting paid, everything, you know, your city council, your county councils, those things, state legislators, people really want to pay attention to this. This isn't isn't just a Trump Biden thing or a 
Republican-Democrat thing. This is really how do we repair a nation after, in the midst of, and after at some point, a global pandemic. Well, and this is the thing I don't understand. There are people out there proudly sharing that they are non-voters. And that is like, no. I almost <laughs> rather you, and I, I hate to say it, I'd rather you support Trump than to say that you're not going to vote. I know that's a tough one. It, it's a tough one for me, um, just because of our lineage as black people, yes. as people of color in particular. Um, I think it's also, it's a really strange thing because I meet people who say that they're not going to vote. And I'm not one to argue about mm -hmm. politics. I will inform people. I love to research. I love to share information. But I refuse to, in most cases, argue about politics. But the one thing I've noticed is that a lot of people who say and are proud about not voting have the most to say and the most to criticize about the elected officials that we do have, the policies, procedures, and work that's being done in the community, the state, wherever they live. And that doesn't add up for me. Well, know? and it's, it's back to the point you made. It's not just about Trump and Biden. And mm -mm. I think that's why I'm like, I'm almost to the point where if you could at least stake your claim on either side. I support yeah. you, but are you going to forget about what's going on state and local? Exactly. Why, why do you just opt out of everything? Yeah, because what's happening at state and local is going to impact you much faster than anything that Trump or Biden are going to be able to do. Yeah. And people forget that. Yeah. And that's not a Trump-Biden reality. That's just an American democracy reality. It's always been like that. Right. It was like that with Obama. It was like that with George Washington. It's, right. it's always been like that. And people have to remember that. And I say that politics is a long game. It's more of a marathon than just a sprint. If you are so disaffected with your government that you feel like you don't want to vote, I can hear that. I always challenge people to use that fuel to then, if the election is November the 3rd, then November the 4th, that's where your work begins mm -hmm. in your community. Take that energy and put it into something where you can put your hands on something in your community and make a change for the good. And what do people mean when they say, I'm apolitical? Like, I don't get that either. <laughs> Especially now, what does this mean? Apolitical can mean a couple of different things. I've had some really good conversations with true independence. Um, but I, I think independence is different from, yeah, from apolitical. It, it, I think people just try to stay, some people just try to stay out of the, mm. the fray. When I said the comment about the independence, I actually have met people who are not independents who will, for this election, vote for Trump or Biden, but they are actual independents who will vote for and support and research and campaign for third party candidates. Or if we weren't in a pandemic, they yes. would go to conventions and stuff like that. And so when I hear that, it kind of, it's, it, it, I see some similarities there, but I think people, when they're saying they're apolitical, it's just a way of them not, it's a, probably a PC way of them not discussing politics. Yeah. It's just a, I don't see how you can be apolitical in this climate, I even don't if either. <laughs> no matter what side of the spectrum you fall on, people getting shot in the streets and it's being videotaped crime climate change, yeah. voting irregularities, voter suppression, those are things that affect all of us, no matter the party. What does it mean if you don't have an opinion on these things? Because that's what I think apolitical means, and I think it's a lie. You probably do have an opinion about it. You just want, don't want to say it. You don't want to say it. it's a different thing. 
or it's not well researched. Right. And if you've said it before, which I do run into people like this, they've said it before and they've been belittled for their opinions, mm. which is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I don't like to argue about politics. If I say if I run into a black Republican, well, we know that most of the black people that we run into, that I run into, tend to not be Republicans. And so when I meet black Republicans, I get that resistance at first. And I have to kind of change the narrative a little bit and say, I want to hear what it is that you have to say. Yeah. I want to understand your points of view on certain issues to see, okay, well, your experience defines that. Right. And so that's how you arrived at that. We may not agree on it, but now I see how you formulated that opinion. Right. And so that a political piece probably comes from they don't they they don't run into a lot of people that may allow them to do that or they just don't feel comfortable sharing their right. Opinions. You know, it's funny because I relate this to the people who in religion say, mm-hmm. um, I'm spiritual and I never know what that means. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Probably in that sense. It's it kind of like the apolitical thing. In some ways, they don't connect to organized religion, which I can understand just from, you know, growing mm-hmm. up and knowing. And their connection is with their God, their higher power. And they feel that that comes first versus them going to a building in their community every yeah. Sunday. I don't know. And then some I, I of them don't fun. even know which God they're connected to. So it's a whole other conversation. I, I really think it's it's just a non-committal way to say I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, that's what it feels to me. And in this day and age, I can understand because, well, I can understand why people would say that just because politics can get so heated so right. quickly. So if you don't want to talk about it, that's one thing. But are you going to do something about it? That's when I begin to think, are you apathetic? Is that another way of saying you're apathetic? I I don't understand. Because I can have a strong point of view on something and never Mm -hmm. discuss it. Doesn't make me apolitical. Right. It makes me, I don't want to talk about it. Exactly. But then you know how to express or not express what you're feeling. Right. And you don't necessarily associate a conversation about politics with someone that may be, you know, or, or a, a negative experience about being belittled or being talked over or just maybe not knowing. Right. You know, I run into a lot of people that will just admit to me that I don't know. And then right about this time in our recording of the show, pandemic pandemonium took over again what am i talking about suddenly had to put on my mom hat because my little one was having a meltdown about something with the technology in homeschool it's so hard to do work i mean this is where i am this is what we do Because of a catastrophic failure in leadership. Can we talk about that? Exactly. All right. No matter where you're going to vote. (laughs) Y'all know the truth. It's just whether or not you want to do something about it or not. Isn't it? Exactly. You want to live in this current state of political affairs. It came out the man's mouth. Yeah. Let's talk about Woodruff report. Yeah. He he knew. He knew. He knew. He knows. And he's still playing it down. Yes. And doesn't care does not care has known since february oh look so go ahead i was saying that that's funny because 
he he would say before the Woodruff thing came out, he uh, he would say that he didn't know, or people would say, oh, he didn't know it. And I'm thinking it was on the BBC. It was in global news because it had hit, hit China and Italy and I think Spain. And how, how did you not know that? Well, now, <laughs> riddle solved. We know that he knew. Yeah. And it's okay. But this, you know, this is just part of his MO, and we have seen where he's done this countless times before, and his posse seems to just turn their head. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody is wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the Bob Woodward tapes that came out about the president. and. Yes. The president is on tape. You can audibly hear it that he says that he knew about the virus. He knew how, how potent the virus was, what a deadly virus it was, and that he was going to play it down and that he continues to play it down. So if you haven't heard that, that's, yeah. And still. Not good. And still playing it down. Yes. yes. And still holding rallies with little to no mask, still having uh, large indoor gatherings, Etc. and so on and so on. Herman Cain kicked the bucket because of this stuff. Yeah, after going to a Trump rally in June. And no one seems died. to even Keep care. It's just like, ro- just oh, pandemic okay. roadkill. You know what? That's a very good term. Yeah. That's exactly how they're treating him. Yeah. Or treated him. Yeah. yeah. And the 190,000 plus lives. Yep, they lost. said we were going to reach 200,000 by September. I think we're going to make our goal. Yeah, unfortunately. It's so sad. It is it's so sad, so unnecessary. Such a, like you said, a catastrophic failure of leadership. And, and such we, a, we got people dying on the West Coast because of these fires. Fires. 3,000, I heard. It's a disregard for human life, and I just don't understand it. For even just human dignity and decency. Yeah. I, I don't under I don't get it. And okay, so that's that's just that's death. That's that's final. It's it's could have it could have been avoided. I I look at New Zealand and I'm like, oh my gosh, if we had just stayed our behinds at home for the duration, we could be back to work, we could be back to school, we could be back to small business, we could be back to all of it. Look at Wuhan, China. They're having these massive gatherings. Did you see the big wave pool that they, this concert they had? Like, they're, no, they're circulating. No, like, I, yeah, I didn't see that. And Wuhan is bigger than New York City, just yeah. for those that don't know. Um, I have heard, you know, that they've had small breakouts. But what they've done is because they have such a good tracking system that they're able to track where the virus is popping up to do really good contract, contact tracing and then mitigate the virus in that way. You know, but we're not. I, and I don't I don't know if it's necessarily all the government's fault, state or federal government's fault. But I think that we as Americans, we kind of think that we're going to forge our own path and we're going to do what we want to do. It's and that's American what, exceptionalism on yes, steroids, on steroids and a public health. You can't solve a public health crisis with a political solution. Yeah. Either the virus doesn't respect your personal wishes. It doesn't respect your political affiliation. And so because you're tired of sitting in the house or you're tired of doing this, I get it, but the virus doesn't. Yeah. And And you know what? Um, You know, I lecture twice a week at TCU online and the college campuses are struggling 
because yeah. you can't keep college kids apart. You just can't. No, no. And they're, they're not kids. They're not three-year-olds, you know, who they are saying don't transmit the virus as well. These are adults. These are adults. They're young adults, but they're still adults. And they're dealing with faculty, staff, you know, other dorm staff who are even older than they are. And, you know, some of these, these campuses, they're commuter campuses. Who are they taking that, the virus home to? Yeah. They're in congregate classroom spaces. Whether or not they live on campus, they're, they're taking that someplace else. They're going so out in the community. TCU right? opened up the campus, invited everybody back to be in oh. their dorms, be in their, uh, yeah, the sorority houses, the fraternity wow. houses. Yeah. And oh, they're, so they're practicing good social distancing there. Oh, yeah. No. Because yeah. there's a whole can, sorority on lockdown that. right now. And, and when I say a whole sorority, I'm talking about a whole white sorority. You know how big those are, undergrad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And week by week, I get a student that says, I contracted it. I tested positive. Here's my doctor's note. And, you know, I just, I had a moment yesterday where I, it was just too much. It was just too much. I, I really just kind of choked up. Um, they had fall convocation, and to add to it, um, the concert corral, which I used to be a member of, is socially distanced and Robert Carr Chapel is the most beautiful setting that they did the video in. They all have on masks and they're singing This Little Light of Mine and Old Negro Spiritual, which by the way, when I was in the, the course, the director didn't believe in integrating black music into what we were doing. So to see them sing that and then know the cultural context too, mm. I couldn't take it. I was in tears. Moses Hogan is like one of the best arrangements ever in life. Okay. <laughs> and wow. I was just sending it to people saying, I dare you not to cry. <laughs> Try not to cry. You're, you're okay. pathetic if you don't cry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that's where we are. This is, I mean, yeah. just the other day, Johnny was like, we just don't have fun anymore, mommy. You know, and I'm trying to think mm. of things that we can do that right. are safe. And yeah, I noticed between. people with kids, friends of mine that have children about her age are running into that. We don't do anything fun anymore. You're seeing a little bit of depression. You're seeing them being socially withdrawn from other people, other yeah. children, uh, just because of what's going on with, with the virus of where we are now. On top of the fact that both of our Disney trips were canceled and there were just no vacations, because we usually right. do that. We go to Disneyland in the spring and Disney World in the summer, and in between, we're everywhere else. Right. Besides all the business trips that I'm on, speaking and going on. Um, she doesn't go on those, but that gives her an opportunity to go stay at Gabby Papa's, or, you know, something like that. And I've been trying to figure out where can we go that's outdoors, that's safe. And then she starts a new school where she hasn't been able to meet any of the kids. She sees them all on Zoom, but she's not able to really socialize. And now I'm like, hey, do you want to have a Zoom play date? She's like, over those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. She feels like how I feel about uh, some Zoom birthday parties. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't. I, I know you mean well, but. It's not no. the same. No. And it then, is and good to see people, but yeah, it's it's not the same. 
on the on the same note, you could be doing video chat all day long. Work, <laughs> home, school, church. Yep. It was, sweetie. We got a FaceTimer, okay? All right. <laughs> Her cousin turned 10 yesterday. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we got to make sure we say hi and happy birthday. But, yeah, um, and some adults I've noticed, and it, I haven't noticed a difference in the cultures at all. I used to think that when we saw the numbers that black folks and Latinas were getting hit hardest, that we would be the most cautious. But you have an Instagram feed just like mine. Yeah. And what are you seeing? Well, I live in Georgia, so I'm seeing wide open, hinges off the door. Yes. Club going. Yes. I'm seeing bottles popped. Mm -hmm. People in the streets. Yeah, everything. Mm -hmm. With and without mask. Without a mask. Yeah. I mean, restaurants, I, I've seen distancing because I have been out to restaurants. I've seen distancing there. Um, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, they there, try. You try. I mean, of, of course, when you're eating, it's a little harder. But yeah. when we're talking about a club, we're talking about congregate, even congregate outdoor spaces. It, I'm seeing a lot of that. I did a patio, social distance patio yeah. with one okay. other person. And I mm-hmm. got to tell you, I was freaked out the entire time. Yeah. Because I hadn't been out since March. Mm-hmm. And I was like, excuse me, but I'm feeling some kind of way. And I'm also thinking about the risk. You know, I got my little one here. I've got grandparents a couple of blocks, no, a few blocks away. And we're triangulating, trying to take care of one another. And gee, how often can I do this and not bring something home? Yeah, and I work out outside which is an easy way of social distancing. Um, I do have one workout indoors, but it's still half in, half out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard. You know, because then on the other end, you know, whereas you may be mentally and socially unhealthy because you're sitting in the house all the time, then you're getting physically unhealthy because it's harder to move around. That's my deal. You know? I'm yeah. I'm scared of gyms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I picked up a treadmill about four weeks ago. Had okay. one delivered. It took forever to get here. Because in Texas, it got hot. You know, we finally got a little fall weather, but it's not, you know, you don't get fall, fall, football weather until like almost mid-October, November, right? So we get a little snap. We get excited, but it's still hot outside. So I got my little, you know, treadmill, but life takes over too. And it takes some kind of discipline on top of having a little one in the house that needs you every moment. And then by the time it's like, oh, I got time to do it. You're exhausted. <laughs> I think we all feel like that in some way, shape or form. We, yeah. You know, kids, no kids, you oh, know, yeah. work from home, work from the office. Look, gym, I, I explain yeah. to everybody, especially my clients, if you're not sick, if no one in your family is sick. You are still traumatized by what is happening right now. Yeah. And I had a girlfriend text me the other day and say, you know, I've just been, I, it's been hard to get out of the bed. Mm. I was like, yeah, this is a real thing. We forget it's a real thing. Yeah. Bearing down on all of us in different ways. Yeah. It just shows up, like you said, in, in different ways. Yeah. 
So we, we've got to be practicing the self-care and, you know, if you're not getting all the physical in, you got to get the mental and the spiritual. You got it. You got to take care of you because this is a booger and we don't see the end in sight. Now they say there is a vaccine in trial, several actually, but one that's closer than others, but they had a little bit of a setback just the other day. Matt, would you take the vaccine if it was ready in the next Absolutely. month or so? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was going to say you no. first. No. I watch. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable <laughs> with that. I'm not comfortable with somebody promoting a vaccine for me who just said that you could use sunlight and bleach a few months ago to cure yourself or someone that you love of yeah. coronavirus. I, I don't think so. Yeah. And, I'll keep green juicing and citrus yeah. and all those different things to keep my immune system up. But And watching the medical professionals who probably be the first to be in line to take it say, I'll wait. <laughs> it's exactly. enough for me. <laughs> right. Oh. Are these pharmacists and, and scientists that are developing this, are they taking it? Because, I, yeah. No. And who's getting paid? Who's getting paid? Follow the money. You always, always, always have to follow the money. Yes. So. <sighs> oh, so Dr. Dr. Fauci says that we probably won't even get any sense of normalcy until late 2021. That sounds about right. Yeah. I saw he said that. And it makes sense, I mean, because if you're just now getting a vaccine, you know, there's probably going to be, well, there's already been, and probably going to be more hiccups with that. And so, you know, when you're thinking about the school year, the sports seasons, uh, the weather changes, you know, remember we've got flu season right around the corner. How is that going to affect people? You know, flu season usually lasts until, what, February, March, maybe? Yeah. And so... And in some of these situations, we think we're being safe. But in all honesty, we don't know how this thing is transmitted. Mm. Yeah. And now we've gotten to the point where can we even really trust what the CDC is saying? Because they've held back before. They, they've we held know back. That. They've held back and they have been encouraged yes. to hold back. Yes. And so I, I think that what is... From at least from the outside looking in, what I think is going on is that they're doing the work. Yeah, it's that the powers that be at the uppermost reaches of the federal government are holding them back. They're yeah. not just sitting there filing their nails at their desk all day. That is definitely not happening. Right. Hey, so. Joni, log on. It's time. <laughs> and you know, some of these things I leave in the show these days, just so people okay. know how life has changed. Yeah. Yeah. A real go ahead and log mom, on, honey. Mom and businesswoman type thing. Yeah, this is this is how our lives have been impacted by this crap. Yeah, I don't know if everybody wants to see how <laughs> how my life has been impacted by this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So election season is here and November is right around the corner. Seven weeks away. And so people are very concerned about the outcome. Either way, that people are gonna flip their lids. What yeah. are you hearing about that? 
Uh, well, that is a possibility. That is, that is um, definitely with how if Trump were to lose, how will he give up that, or how will he transition the power over to Biden? Uh, if Trump wins, then how far do we have to dig in or what are our means of looking into the obvious voter suppression and vote tampering that's going on. I'm, I'm not saying that just because if he wins it, it means it's vote tampering. It's because that's what's already going on. Yeah. And well, that's and then, go confirmed information. No, that, I was just saying that's confirmed information Yeah. Uh, about what is going on with the Trump campaign, with Russia wanting to get an election, getting in the election again and being stopped at a few different points. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic. Do, is it prolonged? Are we looking at 2022? Because you talk about people not wearing masks now, they could be footloose and fancy free. Right. That's true. And then you look at, uh, I mean, not to go back that far in history, but when you look at the Spanish flu of 1918, that lasted about two years as well. Yeah. And we were in the middle of a world war at that time. Yeah. And, and it's really, sad because we've got way more technology now. Yeah. And, and supposedly way more smarts and intelligence. Yeah. And... Like you said, technology, information at our fingertips. And we're just, in some cases, not yeah. following what we need to do. How can we end this on a happy note? Mm. Is there anything happy? Because I'm about to go in here and console my little girl because she's a little upset right now. <laughs> and I'm feeling her pain. I, I feel her pain. Um, I think that the happiest thing that I can think of, it, you mentioned it earlier, was self-care. Yeah. I think if everybody takes that moment, those moments for yourself and just realize that you're doing the very best you can. Keep it up. You are uh, you are enough. Yeah. And that this too, whatever your this is, shall pass. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We're practicing gratitude in this house. Mm, so every mm, night good. before we go to bed, we talk about happy things. Exactly. Writing those down. Sleep. Yeah. Yep. And just letting things go, and it will, it will be okay. Whatever your it is. Where can everybody find you, Matt? Well, the best way to find me is on social media: uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are all at Mr. Prune Juice. That's M R Prune Juice, all one word. I uh, can follow me there. Please click subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on IG and Twitter. Uh, I talk about politics all the time, on, specifically on Twitter. So that's a great way of keeping up with me. And uh, I'm really excited because I'm doing some videos very soon, uh, starting back up my video series. So that's really exciting, great way for me to talk about politics in very short, kind of five to eight minute clips that are yeah. really good. I love it. I'm going to check it out. Everybody, Matt Stevens, thanks so much for coming on, Matt. You Thank take you care. So much, Matt. Be well. Hang All right, in there. You too. You too. And Joan right. as well. Yeah. Bye All bye. Right. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Matt Stevens. You know, at times that conversation was a little heavy. I felt it weighing us down, but I wanted to share with you what it's like. At my place, I know everybody has their thing and how this whole thing has bared down on them. So to whomever is listening, please find a way to practice gratitude. That's the best thing to keep your spirits up. And if you're happy, you can be successful, which brings me to my book, 
be sure that you pick up No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say. I'll just include myself. It is available on my website, lmichellesmith.com, on Amazon, on barnesandnoble.com, any of the big retailers online, and also it's showing up in hardcover and retail. Don't forget to join the No Thanks Book Club. It is official and it is exclusive and private online. If you want to join, go to my website, lmichellesmith.com. Click on the No Thanks pop-up window and it will take you directly to the No Thanks page. I want to shout out a couple of entities. First, the Texas Metro News, the Garland Journal, iMessenger.com. All three of those publications published by the Cheryl Smith and they did a cover story on me. You got to pick it up. It hit newsstands this week. Also, if you're in the DFW area, keep your eyes peeled for NBC5. Um, They'll be interviewing me about the book along with Cheryl Atkins Green. You remember her. She is the chief marketing officer from Mary Kay. She's in the book along with some other voices, by the way. We'll be talking about how women of color can shine despite it all, even during this crucial time. I also want to shout out Dallas College and Goldman Sachs and their program for small businesses. They're going to have a small business forum this week, September 23rd. Yours truly will be speaking and we'll be talking about how to survive COVID-19. And finally, shout out to... AT&T Corporate Sponsorships, who invited me to sit alongside executives from HBO Max and Wasserman Media Group to speak to the Lady Ballers of the WNBA on Monday. It's a private event, but we'll be sharing with these ladies in a session called She's Connected about long and short form content, especially video, and how to promote their personal brands. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.